Welcome to the Days for Girls podcast, a show about breaking barriers for women and girls around the world. I'm your host, Jessica Williams, Chief Communications Officer at Days for Girls International. At Days for Girls, we believe in a world where periods are never a problem. We are on a mission to shatter the stigma and limitations associated with menstruation by increasing access to sustainable period products and menstrual health education for all people with periods. Today's guest is Ina Jurga. Ina has more than 15 years of experience in development cooperation in the areas of WASH and has worked since 2012 for WASH United. WASH United is an international NGO based in Berlin, focusing on advocacy and education around water, sanitation, hygiene, and menstrual health and hygiene. Ina is also the international coordinator for Menstrual Hygiene Day, which was initiated by WASH United in 2014. She also oversees education projects and is passionate about innovation and building partnerships to achieve collective impact. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Now let's go on to the show. Welcome to the show, Ina. It's so great to have you here today. Hello, Jessica. Yeah, my pleasure. Likewise, Uh, great to talk to you. (laughs) <laughs> and you are in Germany, in Berlin, right? Yes, um, I'm here in Berlin, Germany, and uh, because that's where our office is from Wash United. Yes. Awesome. Great. Well, um, I want to dive right in. So you have more than 15 years of experience in development coordination in the areas of WASH, and you've worked with WASH since 2012. So for those who aren't familiar with what WASH United does and focuses on, can you give us a little overview? Yeah, sure. Um, so WASH United, um, well, WASH stands for Water Sanitation and Hygiene, um, but the organization is called WASH United. Um, it's a burden-based crossbreed between an advocacy NGO and a creative agency. Our mission is really to create a world in which all people benefit from goods and safe drinking water, sanitation and hygiene, and including menstrual health and hygiene. Um, we started out uh, in 2011, focused a lot on WASH, but since 2012, we looked more and more into the issue of menstrual health and hygiene, which is now our major focus uh, because we also initiated Menstrual Hygiene Day back in 2014. Besides the focus on uh, advocacy, um, we also have education initiatives where we develop uh, solutions for uh, taking up uh, menstrual hygiene education for for partners. Um, And in addition, we have a section that deals with the human rights to water and sanitation, leading global level advocacy at the UN level and at national government levels. So yeah, everything evolves around advocacy and education, what we do. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Wash United is one of our partners at Days for Girls. So we're grateful for your partnership. And um, I want to get more into the connection of menstrual health and hygiene uh, with WASH and why those two often go hand in hand. Can you take us there? The, the issue uh, so of menstrual hygiene or menstrual health and hygiene or menstrual hygiene management as the term was called uh, back in the early 2010s, that was a, um, a topic that came up in the early 2010s 
um, through the wash sector, mainly because um, a few organizations who worked on the issue of sanitation and hygiene um, around that with education, they started to notice that uh, women and girls have specific needs when it comes to manage demonstration. Um, and with that following also, of course, toilet design, hygiene issues, and, and education. And it was unearthed that it's such a huge taboo issue that hardly anyone wanted to talk about. And uh, therefore, uh, there was a lot of, lot of awareness building, breaking the silence to do at the beginning for programs and then also policies to start up. So um, there, therefore, I think um, the, the, it's... The reemergence of the issue came out of the wash sector because of those reasons and a, a, a strong drive around equity and inclusion to like look at uh, to bring that issue under this this umbrella. Um, interestingly enough, when I looked at um, Google terms comparisons, the, the the term menstrual health has been quite prominently used already in the uh, 1990s and in the uh, 2000s. And I think that came a little bit more from um, health perspective, um, meaning like the biological research around it and not so much, um, how to say, uh, all the different aspects of woman and girl does and have to have in order to manage her menstruation. Um, yeah, so the wash sector was, uh, as a, just as a conclusion, the wash sector was driving it uh, in the last 10 years, but it's good that more and more other sectors are coming in because it's so cross-sectoral and neither the wash sector can do it alone, nor can the other sector do it. And everybody has its strength and its knowledge, and it's really about um, cross-sectoral uh, and intersectoral uh, programming and policies to really make sure that um, everyone who menstruates um, has the ability to manage demonstration and safety, dignity, um, and uh, in, in in privacy and and yeah. So I think when sorry when I talk too long, but I get really passionate about it. When people think about watch, they often think really about um, sanitation and hygiene but i think with the wash sector having the opportunity to bring in the issue into the sustainable development goal discussion they realized they needed a, de a definition for for the term what needs to be achieved and they they made it already pretty broad including um like what was obvious was uh, access to good infrastructure um, access to information, but I think they, what, what they also did was really to ensure that there's access to products um, and access and to, 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 to stop the discriminating social stigmas and norm around it. So, um, yeah, so the definition of menstrual hygiene management back then was already a little bit broader than the narrow sense of water sanitation and hygiene alone. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. And I love that you're passionate about it. Um, I, I, I enjoy that uh, aspect. Um, so I'm going to just go back to something that you said. You mentioned the sustainable development goals and how we're you know, trying to integrate menstrual hygiene and health into those goals. For people who don't know, can you explain what the sustainable development goals are? Yeah, so the sustainable development goals are um, the UN level 
global goals to achieve progress and prosperity for all people around the world. Um, there are a couple of goals defined, um, which you can, I don't know the exact numbers, but they are, um, what makes it so special is that they really look at equitable and inclusive access for all people. And not like before, just to say half a certain number. So, um, there are for menstrual health and hygiene, there are a couple of sustainable development goals that are relevant. For example, the sustainable, uh, the SDG for uh, clean water and sanitation, the SDG on education, the SDG on uh, free, I think that's on gender equality. There is an SDG goal on um, sustainable production, which touches upon how we can make, for example, menstrual products more sustainable. So. Menstrual hygiene management touches upon, or touches upon a set, uh, and there's health too, <laughs> obviously. Um, there's no real indicator for menstrual health and hygiene. So they're interlinked, but it's not written as an indicator um, in the sustainable development goals. But that's what's driving everyone working in the development field um, to achieve by 2030. Awesome. Thanks for that explanation. So, um, and I know a lot of us, we want menstrual health and hygiene included in those sustainable <laughs> development goals. And so um, there are areas in which, uh, in those goals that kind of touch on that uh, aspect of, of uh, human rights. And so um, for those who are interested, we'll put the link to the sh in the show notes to the sustainable development goals that we're talking about. And um, an awesome infographic that you can maybe want to link where we show how menstrual health and hygiene links to the development uh, SDGs. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> That's a great graphic. I know I've seen that. Um, yeah, we'll definitely include that. So, Ina, you have a background in public policy and civil engineering, but what makes you passionate about menstrual health? Is there some personal connection you have to the work? <laughs> Besides being a woman? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, so when I started as an engineer, um, I was kind of a sanitation engineer building toilets in developing countries or not building, um, networking and training others to build ecological toilets. So um, and um, back then um, there was some some linkages to blood because it was uh, you had to separate urine from feces and then. At one point, so what about the women's blood? Where does that go? <laughs> and um, so, okay, then it goes um, where the feces go and all good. And that was it. So um, uh, later on, um, when I then, uh, in my previous uh, job uh, for uh, the Water Supply and Sanitation Collaborative Council, um, that was a time in the early 2010s when the topic came up and I really realized that um, I never really thought as a woman how I can consider women and girls' needs better. So I was really ashamed myself that I had this blind spot going to the field, bringing my tampons myself, and but not, never really thought what women and girls in the local villages use. So um, that made me really sad that I've never really thought about it. And um, that was one of the motivations where I think I'm, I'm passionate because I don't 
I think this was a really oversight um, on my end and, and many of my colleagues too, I can say. Um, in terms of um, ex ex personal experience, um, that was also, I think you read a lot of reports and um, how, how the situation for women and girls in developing countries is, but when you are there yourself, and experience it, it makes it much more tangible. For example, we did uh, a campaign in India um, called the Nirmal Bharat Yatra. It's a it was a moving carnival, and I had to stay in a tent uh, with lots of Indian people. Most of them were young men. <laughs> and in the evening, I had to go to our toilet across the field, and it was so dark. I was getting really afraid. So suddenly, I got the feeling so how terrible it was to not have a toilet in your home, but you have to cross the field. And then secondly, I got my period and there was no place where I could drop my tampon that I brought from Germany um, because there was no basket and I couldn't put it into the toilet because it was, it, I knew it was blocking it. So I had to, to, to kind of hide my bloody tampon somewhere in, in the public uh, bin and, and not making sure that all, the young man sees that I'm menstruating. And then I thought, and, and back then really the topic came up and we had a, a, um, this as a, as a aspect in the Yatra. And then I really realized what a shameful process this is for many, many women and girls and how there are super easy solutions to be, to be found, but also of course, much more complex, but yeah, these were, these were also one of the personal experiences uh, that made me want to tackle this issue. Yeah. I love that you shared that. I mean, because every woman and girl who is menstruating or menstruator is, um, can relate to that, that, um, time where you don't have a place to throw away, <laughs> you, you know, your tampon and, uh, or you don't have proper products available or you want to hide it from people, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and so, yeah. um, I, I'm so glad you shared that story. So in your work, uh, I want to get more like go more deeper into your work personally. So um, what is your like focus uh, with Wash United? What are, what are some of the projects that you're currently working on? Yeah, uh, big focus of, of obviously is Menstrual Hygiene Day, which is coming up on 28 May, like every year in the last seven years. Um, with that, um, we really uh, want to drive... Um, advocacy and awareness on the issue and our focus for this year second year in a pandemic is to really make sure um, to call out it's time for action and uh, make sure that periods uh, during and after the pandemics are uh, getting the attention um, necessary and that we finally remove the period stigma and period poverty um, latest in 2013. So um, what we're doing right now is, of course, we we plan for MH Day, meaning uh, we think how we can, because MH Day is more, mostly driven by partners um, such as you. And so we're thinking what we can help partners with uh, to create their impact uh, in the media on the ground um, with your partners as well. So um, that is a lot of our focus right now. Um, secondly, um, we're 
through MHDA and our partnership, we do advocacy um, and we do the advocacy all year round. For example, through the Global Menstrual Collective, um, which you might also interview for the podcast. Um, we're looking ahead at key events for 2021, like the Generation Equality Forum, how we can engage there um, and, um, and, and beyond that. So that's the year round advocacy. On the second side, um, I'm, or we are pretty busy um, on our education um, solutions. Um, we are soon launching um, a site where we offer our menstrual hygiene management education guide, um, which is a really low cost, scalable booklet. Um, really easy to use, available for Africa and India. We're going to release it uh, finally to the public where everyone who's interested in uh, education solutions can access it, register it, download it for free um, and uh, receive also some services like online capacity trainings, etc. So we're in the last stretches to finalize that website. Um, there's a lot of work at the background so uh, but we're really excited to launch it and then um, bring it onto the public so yeah these are the two um, yeah or almost three points I'm pretty busy with uh, the year round awesome so what are some of the countries I'm I'm just interested like that are making progress with wash and where where is there still a lot of work to be done um yeah so I think over the last seven years um with MH Day, we've seen interesting, like a general progression that the issue is taking up more and more and in more and more countries. And I think that's a good thing overall. Um, so it is it is getting attention on, on more attention on all levels. So in terms of countries, I think there are countries which are um early go-getters um, and these, unfortunately, not the usual suspects, but I think these are countries who have um, good infrastructure, a very good political system and high interest to, to tackle those. And, and also a, a, lot, a, a big support network of NGOs and um, uh, NGOs and, and private sector companies who work in these countries who are then also lifting up the issue higher. And these are like India, um, Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, um, Nepal, I would say too. And then there are some countries who are quite active, it's like Pakistan and, and Bangladesh and, and sometimes Philippines and so on. So um, these are like stable countries with a good progress and then countries uh, fluctuate from time to time. Um, South Africa is also really active with who launched a, a standard for menstrual products last year on MH Day. Um, Kenya launched their uh, MH and policy on MH Day last year. So yeah, we've seen also it's good always every year to take stock and see um, see what's happening. Um, where there are some blind spots is, I would say, Francophone Africa. Um, first of all, I think it's a language issue um, and. There are not so many organizations working there, um, but there are some some good highlights. Uh, like Ghana is really active, Senegal and um, Nigeria. Anyway, um, and the biggest gap is definitely Latin America, um, where also it's I think it's a language barrier for non-Spanish speaking. Uh, 
people to to understand what's happening and um and i know from from talks also we had uh last year uh your team colleague from guatemala in our um live stream show and in uh, in and in and various consultations and uh nilvia all i mean when nilvia says there's such a huge need but we sometimes don't know about it so i think there's a this silence within the taboo of menstruation and and we also need to make stronger effort in making sure those voices from Latin America and Francophone Africa and maybe from other countries with language barriers are heard and seen. So they're also included uh, into, into this. So um, we uh, recently launched a report and maybe you can also link this. It's called Uh, making the case for investing in menstrual health and hygiene. Um, Portia and I did co-authored this together with PSI, PSI Europe, the case for her, Simavi. Um, and it's uh, getting an overview on why it's important to invest in the issue and how to do it. Uh, and we try to do a little bit of stock taking where progress have been made, um, not necessarily only on a, on a country basis, but also um, within a thematic focus um, where there are gaps, like especially in, in, in terms of MHM and emergencies, MHM for disabilities and so on. So um, there's not only a geographical gap, but also of course a thematic divide um, where progress or not progress is, is happening. Um, and yeah, with that, I think, Overall, what is needed is definitely funding. Um, we feel the funding is not adequate to the attention and interest of stakeholder to uh, do programming and increase and scale programming um, and uh, projects on uh, menstrual health and hygiene. Um, there is, it's really hard to 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 calculate what is currently spent. It's even harder to calculate what is needed. Um, but we can definitely say it's uh, it's not enough. There's There needs to be more investment across sectors in, into the issue, um, including research to build the evidence um, and then um, investing in what works. Yeah, I keep hearing uh, that from everybody I interview. Funding, funding, funding. <laughs> we need yeah, I mean, people yeah. to focus on this, right? And that's one of the reasons we launched this podcast was to draw more attention and awareness to Absolutely. this work. So I think, I mean, for MH Day, which is fantastic, we can see how collective impact can work. So for MH Day, a lot of, and more, all of our partners are pulling their resources together. So Washington United as a secretariat doesn't provide funding. Um, so there's a lot of possible when we pool together uh, our uh, existing resources, no matter how big or small they are, and then uh, move to, together. And, and, and for example, MH Day is such an example or the Global Mental Collective um, where uh, also everyone comes together. So um, there is a lot you can do creatively, but of course you need funding for, yeah, as I said, for our research to provide the evidence and um, learnings uh, and just a simple, yeah, and programming also costs money. Um, luckily, there's also some national governments who are willing to invest, like, for example, if India, Nigeria, Kenya has pet, pet donation programs for school girls that co also costs a lot of money. So, or if, Tax, taxes are dropped um, 
and removed, that also means a country has less lesser tax income. Um, and this is also a kind of contribution. So uh, there are ways for finding interesting funding models, but overall it's not uh, sufficient to agree what it's needed. So one of the things that uh, you've worked on is the period tax uh, project. Mm -hmm. And I know that that project's kind of wrapped up, but uh, it, the website has a lot of really great mm -hmm. resources and information. So I want to make sure I give you a chance to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so um, with the help of funding uh, under the Innovation Fund from the Reproductive Health Supply Coalition, we build a one-stop shop for everything around period taxes um, because that wasn't existing before, like a global overview, how many countries have removed the tax or reduced the tax, where are active campaigns um, and what are learnings from campaigns like case studies, etc. Um, and we have a lot of insights, like small, nice videos on, on, on sharing learnings and tips, how to run successful period campaigns. I think for, for us, the, the most interesting learning in that process um, is that taxes, because a lot of people are like, for a lot of women and girls, menstrual products are unaffordable and removing the taxes could be one way to make products cheaper and with that a bit more affordable. But we found um, that this is not always uh, the case. Um, dropping taxes doesn't, inevitably mean um, prices of products are dropped or like, like reduced. Um, there's a lot of other conditions that need to take in place. And I think that learning that we unearthed from our research and, and our case study comparison was super important uh, to help future campaigns to, to, to build campaigns better. Um, and what I can say lastly is, what we found, and this is uh, the best news, is that all period tax campaigns have managed to break the period stigma in every country. So, no matter, like, and it started a wider con uh, societal discussion around periods and menstruation, period poverty, um, period stigma. And with that followed uh, a lot of other policy changes, which is great. So uh, period taxes can be an entry point in, into wider discussion. So and I think that's that's the biggest, best news <laughs> that we, we we found from our uh, uh, deal with the issue. But um, yeah, the periodtax.org website is live. You go there if you look for information regarding uh, period taxes in your country or campaigns and um, enjoy the resources that we provide. Awesome. Thank you. And for those who want to participate in Menstrual Hygiene Day, can you tell them when that day is and how they can participate? Yeah, uh, very, very easy. And I would love to. So uh, Menstrual Hygiene Day is on 28 May, which is super easy to remember because 28 is the average uh, day of a cycle and five is the average day of the menstruation period. So 28, five, 28 May. <laughs> so that's easy. Um, and uh, if you work for an organization, um, please sign up to become an official partner. Um, you can organize a local MH day event 
online or offline and get super active on social media. Um, we have always provide a range of free campaign materials in different languages for that. Um, so that's easy. Um, if you're an individual or whoever you <laughs> are, um, I think the easiest way to show your support to menstrual hygiene day and beyond that to the issue of menstruation is by making and wearing um, the menstruation bracelet, which uh, last year we established as uh, and want to push even stronger as the global symbol for menstruation. Um, the menstruation bracelet consists of <laughs> 28 elements and five of them are red. It can also be pink or a different color. So 28, five. Um, and by wearing the menstruation bracelet, yeah, you can really show that periods are nothing to hide and stand up. Um, you can make a bracelet from beads. You can use paper, string. People painted it with lipstick on their uh, wrists or uh, people used pills and uh, peas and whatever. They just... Where super, you can just be creative, and then um, and if you're not creative at all, you can use even uh, pictures and animated um, gifs. Take a picture, post it online, use the hashtag. Uh, it's time for action on MH Day, and yeah, that's it. So that's as easy as that. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> and we'll put all of those links in the show notes. And Ina, if people want to connect with you personally, where can they find you? Besides, burn it in my home office. <laughs> <laughs> On, like um, on LinkedIn? Or are you on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm on LinkedIn um, with my name. I'm happy to share the, the link. They can connect me there. Um, the easiest way, of course, is um, to shoot me an email. That's ina at menstruhygieneday.org. I think that's the easiest to remember. Awesome. And then, of course, following uh, you on our Menstrual Hygiene Day on Twitter and Watch United yes. as well. So, so uh, Menstrual Hygiene Day is on all platforms. It's like, TikTok. <laughs> not mastering our dance skills yet. Um, so yeah, it's um, where we are. We have a website, um, menstruhygieneday.org. Um, there is uh, we're at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we're we're everywhere. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, Jessica. Um, and if people have a follow-up question, um, please let me know. And I really enjoyed being on a podcast. It was really fun. Awesome. Great. I'm so glad. The Days for Girls podcast is produced by Days for Girls International. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit daysforgirls.org forward slash podcast. If you'd like to support the work we do on the show, leave a rating or a review wherever you listen subscribe to the show and share episodes on social media or with your friends. To learn more about Days for Girls and to join our global movement, please visit daysforgirls.org. Thank you for listening. See you next time.